Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and I'm so honored to have Brad Rubendale. How are you today? I'm doing really well. How are you? Good. I am so excited to talk to you about the same cafe. So all may eat. It's in downtown Denver because your mission just, it just makes my heart strings just tug. And could you tell us a little bit about what you're, you're the executive um, director there and what the mission of the restaurant is, and then we can get into your story and how all that fits together. Absolutely. So um, SAME stands for So All May Eat, and we are a participation-based restaurant. So we have folks, everyone who walks in participates by volunteering time, donating whatever they can, or giving produce in exchange for a beautiful, healthy, locally sourced meal that's made from scratch in-house every day. And our food, our uh, menu actually changes every day because many of our guests eat there every single day. That's their primary source of nutrition. And so our menu changes every day based on what's in season and in stock. And um, then basically we welcome people in, you order off of the menu. We always have choices on our menu as well because that's important for our guests to be able to have choices. That's a, a privilege that usually comes with money and we're able to provide choices to everybody who walks in. And then we ask them to choose how they wanna participate in exchange for their meal once they get it. Um, so it's a beautiful place over on East Colfax. That is incredible. And so when you talk about participation, what do you mean by that exactly? What does, what would, so someone walks in and they can't afford a meal, what would there be their pay, so to speak? So um, rather than prices in the restaurant, folks walk up and they can participate in one of three ways. They can either volunteer time or donate what they can. And we don't even have suggested prices there. We just have a transparent budget that tells how much we pay for the food and what an average donation is, that kind of thing. Um, or they can um, donate produce in exchange for a meal. So this mission, this beautiful mission at Same Cafe runs on those three things, donations of time, money, and produce. And what I love about it is that we have options for people to donate a little or a lot in all three of those categories, and everyone gets exactly the same meal and exactly the same treatment when they're here. And so it's created this beautiful place where everyone who's in there eating is a contributor to the mission rather than there being this sort of like dichotomy between those who are giving and those who are recipients. Mm -hmm. um, instead, we say whatever you're bringing to the table has value here. So come join the community and be a part of this. Uh, whether you're a millionaire or you're experiencing homelessness, you can have the same beautiful meal and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Wow, that is really incredible. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of the actual cafe and the inception and then how you came to join the ranks of, uh, of the same cafe? Absolutely. So we were founded 14 years ago by a couple named Brad and Libby Berkey. Um, and I have the same first name as one of the founders, which is funny because uh, they're a straight couple and I'm gay. Um, and so when I first started, a lot of people were like, oh, I met your wife. And I was like, no, I've never had one of those. Um, but it'll, it plays into the story a little bit because, well, Brad and Libby, this amazing couple, visionary couple, had been working in soup kitchens and food pantries and some of the food justice organizations, loved it and really appreciated it, but realized that at the time there were a couple of issues. And one is, is that there weren't many healthy options at the time. 
Um, thankfully, that's changing a lot. But at the time, 14 years ago, there just weren't many healthy options. Mm. And the second big issue is, is there's a feeling or a perception of a lack of dignity in those places. Now, we can debate whether or not that's true, but they wanted to have an opportunity for everyone, regardless of what their background was, to have a, a dignified experience around food. So they created this restaurant with the pay what you can model. Um, and they had never heard of anything like it. They did some research and found one in Salt Lake City that was kind of doing something similar and they learned from them. And then they came and started this and it was the first one of its kind. Everyone thought they were nuts. They thought this is gonna last for like six months and then they'll be out of business. But of course, that's been 14 years ago and we have inspired dozens of other restaurants and organizations to try a pay what you can model. And it's kind of become a uh, one of the pioneers in the whole pay what you can movement and then also in the food justice world. Wow, that's incredible. So they started this just out of their own vision and just the service that they wanted to provide a really beautiful dining experience, regardless of their background and what you could pay. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and they, they pulled money out of their own 401k and started it out of their own money. And then it started to get some national recognition. And so we've now, we have a weirdly national footprint considering the fact that we're a small nonprofit restaurant on East Colfax in Denver. Um, but I get calls every, every month, usually one to five calls a month from different folks saying, hey, we'd love to start a, something like that in our community and we'd love to talk to you about it. Um, so then I'll tell you kind of how I got it involved was I was actually a pastor for years. Uh, I was at a church and was a pastor and was religious. And when I came out as gay, I lost everything and was actually homeless myself for about nine months. Uh, I was couch surfing and I lost access to healthy food. And I went to same cafe as a guest during that period of my time because I lost access to healthy food. So one of the, I have to point out two quick things. One is, is while I was experiencing my version of homelessness, I gained about 35 pounds because you can get food. You just can't get healthy options whenever mm. you're experiencing challenges. And I have low blood sugar, so I have to eat every three or four hours or else I get sick um, and dangerously sick. And so when you're living on three or four dollars a day, which is what I was living on, wow. you can usually get junk food. You can get enough junk food to sustain your sugar levels throughout the day, but it's not healthy food. Mm. So I actually went to same cafe as a guest. And then I had this beautiful full circle moment three and a half years ago where I got to take over the organization that had helped me when I was at my lowest point. And then I also have to pause and have a moment there and, and recognize the privilege that I have as a white male. Um, the, the world is built for me to succeed. And so I was able to get my feet back under me. And I'm not upset that I have privilege, but I am upset that others don't. Um, because I don't know very many, for instance, trans women of color who've lived outside um, that get to take over the organization that helped them. And so mm. I have to call out my own privilege and also say how lucky I am and how mm. grateful I am that I get to now. I've been on both sides of that counter. So I've experienced yeah. need. And then I've also now get to provide that service to other people. Wow. I mean, it also puts you in a position to be so understanding of those who walk through your doors and what a, an experience that you can create for them, how important it is. I mean, That's the dignity right. piece is so important, isn't it? It really is. And one of the things that I'm always harping on the staff about is, is what does it feel like to someone who's experiencing the most uh, margins in our society, that's most marginalized in our society? 
Um, and so every decision that we make at Same Cafe, we first think about well, how is this going to affect someone who's experiencing homelessness, for instance, or who's experienced systemic racism and who is experiencing that. Um, and so we start with thinking about those folks first. And then when we make a change, we actually ask them, how, how does this feel? How does this affect you? So for instance, when, when I first started, um, myself and the new chef, Tisha, Letitia Steele, she's incredible and she's responsible for all the amazing food. We started around the same time and she felt strongly as did I that we should have like beautiful matching plates because at the time we were using um, kind of donated plates and it was a cool kitschy experience. But what was interesting is we suspected that our guests would appreciate it and they did. So we, I literally, when we launched the new plates with, and now I insist that every plate is Instagrammable, you know, so we need to, <laughs> we need to feel wowed by it. Even if you don't pull out your phone, you need to feel that wow moment because people with money get that every time they go out to eat. Mm-hmm. People without means don't ever get that experience. And so that's a right. piece of now that's central to us. But the interesting thing is, is I asked every guest that came through, how does this feel? Do you like this, this change? You know, we're changing things. Are you okay with it? 100% of the guests who are in challenging, in challenging circumstances said that they loved it. They feel like they're in a nice restaurant and they loved it. I had two people tell me, oh, where are the old plates? I missed those old plates. And both of them were wealthy women. Oh, wow. Um, And so it's interesting because not that there's anything wrong with their experience because for them to come to same cafe it's a cool and kitschy experience to have the mismatched plates mm. um but for people who that's their norm we wanted to provide a more elevated experience for them and so it's almost counterintuitive to realize that this is a change that that people who are on the margins of society would appreciate and those who have other options where they missed it and right. so those are, I tell that story a lot because I want people to realize we have to think about how it feels to be in the position of powerlessness mm-hmm. if we're going to be in a position of power. And right. so we need to be processing every decision through that lens. Wow, um, even down to the, to the mismatch plates and the experience, I think that's amazing. Wow, that's really cool. I would have never even thought of that, but I love how you filter it through the experience of those you're, you're serving because that's really about everything that people who are in service do, right? It's, it's helping those that you're servicing. It's not about what you get from it, but it's what you can provide over and over again to those who are coming to, right. to you um, for sustenance. And I mean, so they're getting more than their nourishment for their body, but it sounds like their spirit and their mind and everything else. I mean, that's what a it's wonderful- It's a whole person. Yeah. That's exactly it. And one of the, the other things that's kind of um, interesting along those lines is, we uh, also won't do a suggested donation anywhere in the restaurant or prices anywhere. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, if you have a suggested donation, you've suddenly divided everybody into those who are giving that or more and those who aren't giving that. And even if you're not wearing that on your your shirt, you know, like, oh, I gave less. We all know who's giving more and who's giving less. And suddenly we now have a two, a two person system or a two like class system. And we wanna do away with that so that everyone knows that they're giving something meaningful to the mission. Um, And so if you, like, let's say that I'm hungry and in need and I ask you for a free meal, the only one who feels good in that is you, not me. 
I feel I have to remove a piece of my dignity to come and ask you for something for free. And you walk away feeling really great, but I've now left a piece of my dignity on the side. Mm. And so we genuinely try to create an environment where everyone has something of value to contribute. And we wanna provide a space where that's just how we operate. Everyone who walks in can contribute something. And it also means that we don't do free meals. Right. We do meals that are in exchange for something other than money, but we don't do free meals. So everyone in there is contributing something for their meal. Wow. And then the last thing I'll, I'll share, I, I love this stuff. Like this is the, my heart and soul. Um, we also did a renovation related to COVID. We had to do some stuff to like stay, add safety to it, moving the drink station behind the counter and those kinds of things. Um, but then we also were decided to just kind of do a full renovation and we were trying to think about what does it feel like for someone who's in a wheelchair what does it feel like for someone who has been in an institutionalized setting like a prison or a jail or who has been hospitalized and mm -hmm. so we did what i called trauma-informed design about how do we make every design decision around what it might feel like if you have experienced this version of something wow and I was so proud of the team because we ended up with a really beautiful and very accessible space that feels comfortable for people that are in wheelchairs. It feels comfortable for people that have uh, are in walkers, um, but also someone who has been institutionalized because there's this kind of like a lot of restaurants have this um, industrial chic look, you know, where there's mm. metal chairs and and kind of cold um, concrete. Right. And it's beautiful for those of us that have never slept outside or those of us who've never been in a prison, for instance, right. but a metal chair, they use metal chairs in prisons. And we would never want to have that kind of experience for someone that could trigger, trigger their traumatic experiences. So wow. um, genuinely down to everything, including the forks that we use are all compostable. If you, if we use to go stuff, every decision has some value behind it. Wow. Um, and then the, the, the other thing is, is we, everything is made in-house from scratch so that we know where every ingredient is. So that wow. if someone has a food allergy, they don't have to go, you know, they don't have to just skip it. We can provide a gluten-free option. We can provide a nut-free or a dairy-free option. We also have vegan meals um, available because we want everyone, no matter what your choices around eating or your needs around eating are, you should be able to have access to a healthy, delicious, and filling meal that meets yeah. your food allergies and it's and not just rich white people have allergies right you no <laughs> <laughs> but as a vegan myself I appreciate that tremendously um but yeah no, I know I I you know just coming from a, an interesting background myself um there were times that we didn't eat growing up and so it wasn't for my grandmother bringing us food so I think about those type of things and you know coming from really struggling beginnings than the people who helped me. Um, so I, I can imagine the, the joy that you have by serving those and seeing where they go and, and um, how they can get back on their feet and how that your mission really provides so much more than just one meal. And yeah. you have a variety of things going on here. So I don't want to miss, but the food truck. And yes. when I was reading about the food truck, I think food trucks are just the coolest thing because you're mobile and can bring this food everywhere. But you also mentioned on your website that there are six food des deserts in Denver. And I, I'd really like to just dive in that concept a little bit because Denver is a huge city and it, it's, it boggles minds that to think that there are places that people don't have access to healthy food in a large city with a million people. Um, can you mm -hmm. explain that a little bit? Absolutely. So um, 
our food truck was an effort to reach out to those areas that don't have ready access to healthy food. We launched it last year and it was really successful. COVID has kind of messed up some of our operations with it, but we're getting back to it. Um, and if your listeners are not familiar, Food Desert is a neighborhood where there is a, no walking distance grocery stores, low income, and few cars per person. And so when you add all those together, it means that to be able to get access to healthy fruits and vegetables and ingredients, you have to get on a bus or walk more than a mile or two miles. And as I don't own a car, that's my vehicle right behind me. My, my, uh, my partner and I now have a car. It's brand new. And I'm weirded out by this that we're sharing. A car. <laughs> I mostly take that. Um, when, I've, when I'm getting groceries, it's a big deal because if mm -hmm. I don't have a walking distance grocery store, just carrying two bags of heavy groceries, even a half a mile is really exhausting. And so then imagine adding kids to that and imagine having the time to be able to go do all that. Mm -hmm. So those food deserts, there are six identified food deserts in Denver alone. Wow. And the problem isn't that um, there's not access to food. Usually there's junk food that's available. So there's mm -hmm. the little corner stores, but they're not selling fruits and vegetables. They're selling chips and they're selling hot dogs and those kinds of things. Right. So um, the hard part is, is that you have ignored neighborhoods within the city limits of Denver and in every uh, city, right? So mm -hmm. there's, and then when a grocery store goes in, is it actually accessible to the people who can, who need it there right. versus the people who are moving in and kind of, so for instance, there's, I won't name any like chains but there's a high-end grocery store that went in next to one of the food deserts in denver which then made it not classified as a food desert but i as an executive can't afford to shop at that grocery store much wow. less someone who's experiencing challenges within that so it didn't solve the problem but it did remove one of the designations of food desert um, so there's all of these equity issues around that and then the other big issue that we have to talk about is, is um, equity and growth within a city like Denver that has exploded over the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, most of the decisions that get made aren't thinking about the people that live in those neighborhoods, but it's instead just thinking about how do we get more people in or how do we get transportation through. And so if you're not familiar with the history of Denver, it's really upsetting because I-25 and I-70 just bisect the city right into quarters. And both of those were put directly through the middle of um, communities of color. Oh, wow. And so what it did is it ended up cutting off what's left of that community from any walking distance, anything within there, because you can't cross a highway on foot. Right. And so there's Loveville, there's Elyria, Swansea neighborhoods. All of these neighborhoods are just these little weird pockets where you have to drive in and out of because they're, they're cut off from everything by the highways. And those were design decisions that were made by the city years and years and years ago, wow. um, which hopefully we would learn from and not do again, but those it's causes a bunch of inequity in cities like that where you have, and then you have generations of, of families that live in those places that suddenly can't afford their homes anymore because of gentrification. And as people mm -hmm. move in, right. um, there's the five points neighborhood, which is the historically black neighborhood, the black middle class in Denver, and that's getting priced out. So most um, black families that have lived there for years and years, they can't even afford the taxes on it, even though they own the house outright because their property wow. values are skyrocketing. And wow. so there's all kinds of equity and justice that happens just in the way that we grow and how we make sure that there's um, solutions provided to people that are already living in those neighborhoods. 
Yeah. Not to I go think, off too long of a tangent, but that's... no, I, I think it's a really important. My husband's a civil engineer and, mm -hmm. you know, we've, and my, and my three kids, they're, they're adults now in their twenties, but you know, all of them are, are really in tune with that because it's, it's such an important thing with, especially for our younger people, right? Because they're trying to grow out and start their businesses or go to work and they can't necessarily even live in places that, you know, maybe, you know, like my, my husband, I could provide for them a place, but that they're going out on their own. And, and it's really an interesting, it's very different than 30 years ago when we get started, <laughs> like, right. you know? That's so, right. um, but you never think about the design of a city, right? But you, there's another program called the Blue Zones and they're working with larger cities to make more walkable pathways where people can get out and exercise. And they talk about the food deserts and working with you know neighborhoods to bring healthier design. So it's just the automatic choice so, you know, the automatic choice isn't going to be the junk food at the corner store, but that it's going to be the cheaper, healthy foods in your, your local grocery store. So that's really interesting to think about the design of a highway, you know, years ago, affecting now just these ripple effects that are, it's, it's almost, it's, it's hard to understand if you don't understand the history. So it's really important. Wow. That's really cool. Um, right. So what you're trying to do with the food truck is bring it into these healthier neighborhoods and then working with local organizations. Can you tell us a little bit about that part of your mission? Because I think that is absolutely brilliant. And I just I really love that. Yeah, so what's been really interesting about Same Cafe is we work really well alongside other organizations that are doing similar work, even maybe with the same kind of mission. But the, the cool part about healthy food is all we're doing is making it taste really good, right? So mm -hmm. we're giving a delicious and nutritious option. And so you're, you're going to get hungry again later. So it's not like that we're competing directly for anybody's dollars. We're just helping them folks learn what it tastes like to feel good on a healthy meal. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, if you've only ever had cheeseburgers and been full on cheeseburgers or pizza, for instance, you don't realize how good it feels to be to have a nutrient-rich, vegetable-centered bowl of food that tastes amazing going in, and then you realize you actually still have energy two, three hours later, and you feel good, and it solves so many of the problems. You know this. I'm preaching oh, to Oh, yes, yes. Oh, trust me. I talk about yeah. food every <laughs> single day. <laughs> In fact, I could just have like a couple of cookies, and suddenly I'm like, oh, no, that was a poor choice. <laughs> um, and exactly. I love some food. But so that's the thing is our mission fits so perfectly alongside so many other great organizations that are doing really beautiful work because we're providing the healthy meal option. So for instance, there's organizations that are trying to provide produce. So we can go fit right alongside there. We are providing prepared food and then it increases the desire for the produce that those folks are providing. That's um, cool. Some of the really cool partnerships that have developed with the food truck, the idea was originally to just get out into food desert neighborhoods and work there. And then we discovered there's a huge need. Um, for instance, we work with Denver Human Services to be able to serve families that are waiting in line for their benefits. Um, wow. So SNAP benefits and, and WIC benefits, they don't necessarily provide uh, options for ready to eat food. So ready to eat food is a different category. I think there's some wisdom behind that. But anyway, what it, what it boils down to is while families are waiting for their meals, they have kids with them and they're hungry, but they're waiting to get groceries to take home, which doesn't solve hunger in this moment. And so a lot of times they're feeding their kids candy out of a vending machine because that's the only thing that's available. 
So we started taking our food truck um, two to three times a week to those sites where people are waiting and we would serve the families while they're in line. Um, And it became this beautiful partnership where a lot of folks then discovered Same Cafe and would come there every day or bring their kids there. Um, And that was just a beautiful like moment where we were able to kind of get introduced to a whole new population of people. Another really cool partnership is we were able to get into, um, there's a food truck circle that happens at Civic Center Park in Denver that's generally speaking, um, you know, it's 10 to $12 per meal. And it was serving all the people that are in the high rises down there working, but there's people living in that park that are kind of getting pushed aside so they can drive in the food trucks. And they would do that about three times a week. We got to be um, join forces with them and be the only pay what you can food truck in that circle of, of them to try to bridge that divide between those who have means and those who don't. And when we went there last year, we gave everybody that got a meal, no matter who it was, they got a token that said one free meal at the same cafe food truck. And we encouraged them to go hand that out to somebody who is living out there in the park um, to get them to know about it. And so, and it was also facilitating dialogue between everybody that was in the park. And so that was another one of my favorite partnerships, but it's been really cool to use that food truck in a partnership capacity with all of these amazing organizations that are doing beautiful work in in Denver. That's cool. And I love the token idea. I saw your video about that as well, because, you know, it makes the invisible, those who are living in these really tough circumstances, you know, now people are seeking them out. And like you said, that dialogue and engagement and, um, it's a uh, really important, and, you know, it's, I, I just, yeah, to reiterate though, the, the importance of the healthy food and how you feel, and especially for the growing, you know, families and children or those with chronic disease, which is the majority of Americans who are overweight or obese. Yeah. And, you know, so when I was a kid, we just had what we grew in our garden yeah. and then we didn't eat a lot of meat because it was so expensive. We had a ton of beans and potatoes, hot, you know, breakfast, because that was just the cheaper option is like you ate what yes. you had, but I would never, I took that for granted <laughs> until I got older in college and had a little spending money. And I was like, pizza, oh, and then you don't feel well and you gain weight and you're like, oh my gosh. But yeah, but that's, yes. that's so very important. If you raise children with junk food because that's all you can afford, they never understand the value of health because they never truly had it. And it's exactly. um, so very, very important. And, I, and then just the education of that as well is so important because that's not offered in schools very much it's you know right. our our doctors aren't taught about nutrition so they're not going to get it from their doctors um yeah it's uh, anyway i could talk about it for hours but and well, also- <laughs> well and too and what i love about same is that we're not necessarily being preachy but we're not saying this is what you should eat this is just right. saying this is what we're offering to eat and mm. then once you taste it you have more of it so we're sort right. of a like education by experience kind of yeah. situation which i, I love i love to keep coming back Exactly. And that's, you know, when I work with parents and they're they're like, my kids won't eat vegetables. They only eat, you know, the fried foods. I was like, listen, you got to be sneaky. So (laughs) just like, it's like, sneak it in. It's healthy. It tastes good. And it's all good. Um, But uh, yeah, you're exactly right. I I think that's a wonderful approach because, you know, when my husband and I went to a a plant-based diet nine years ago, um, we had an amazing chef friend who prepared a meal. My husband goes, well, this is what food can taste like. I'm all in, you know, he was all, it was, that was the decision. He's like, no meat, no dairy, no problem. (laughs) (laughs) It was amazing. And, um, but yeah, I think that's an amazing thing, but you also, um, because young people, I love young people and um, 
it's just, I think being a mom has been my most blessed thing in my world. And, um, you know, I, I just adore them so much, but you also work with young people in your restaurant, right? There's a program of, um, you know, work, you know, cook to work and how does that work? Cause that was work, just yeah. really cool. I love what you're doing there. Oh yeah. That was, that was one of the coolest things that happened. We had, um, so, you know, a, a large number of our guests that are experiencing challenges will volunteer every day in exchange for their meal. So they'll come in, they'll eat, and we always have them eat first because we don't want anyone hungry and weak when they're trying to work, you know, we'd rather you eat. Um, and so folks would, would work and end up gaining a lot of the entry-level restaurant experience that you would need um, to be able to work in a restaurant. And what we were finding is, is that what, what if we actually just created a program around that and we called it Cook to Work? And so the way it works is there's three modules to it. The first one is, is you can literally, while you walk in and exchange time for a meal, if you say yes, you just get a sheet of paper that has your name on it and it has a list of skills. And as you learn those skills and get taught those and then get observed with it, they get signed off on. So once you finish that list, then you go to module two, which is a double-sided list of the same kind of deeper level skills. Um, and those you have to just schedule. So it's not no, no different except for you have to schedule and then show up on time. So we're trying to move people from the idea of just the chaos of living outside to more stability. So then the second module is, is you schedule and you keep that. And then when you finish all of those, um, we will do the module three, which is um, practice interviews. We'll help you write a resume. We'll do some of that soft skill training, get you um, certified, like food handle handler certified. And then we'll try to get you an interview in a restaurant. And so cool. we launched oh it last God. year and it was really cool to see the response of it and to have so many folks doing it. And it's completely on someone else's time, right? So you can, right. you can go through it as quickly or as slowly as you want to. There's a lot of great partnerships that we could do with the Cook to Work program too, because um, there's people that are in programs that are like um, getting housing through Colorado Coalition for the Homeless or that are in kind of a, a training program of some kind and they need to do an internship. So we actually then were able to partner with folks that are paying their folks to come and go through our program, which is free. So they get a paycheck through their program, or we can also provide like community service hours through that program as well. So it's become another great point of partnership with the community. Um, and uh, what, that's my favorite thing is everything we do is collaborative. We even have an art wall on the, in there. So every month we feature a different local artist, oh, often cool. artists who've been in homelessness themselves um, and in challenges. And like at literally every, every thing in the restaurant is a place to partner with an amazing person, group, wow. community, something. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just what you've mentioned so far could be literally a documentary. Like I just like the <laughs> stories that I can, I'm not kidding. The stories that are just blooming out of you, <laughs> like just the food truck alone, what it's doing. And then you have your restaurant and you have, you know, the, the cook to work and you have an art wall. I mean, what else are you hiding under that? I don't know about this is amazing. I hope to make it down there at some point. <laughs> It'd be in about an hour, hour and a half drive for me, but. Oh, I just really want to yeah. go down well, and hang out. 
that's the thing that I tell everybody is, is that same cafe is the most magical place on earth. You know, oh. that place in California and Florida has got nothing on us. We are the most <laughs> magical place on earth. So those places in Florida and California have got nothing on us. Same cafe is the most magical place on earth. And um, you really don't get a feel for it until you come in and taste the food and see the community and get to actually get a feel for how beautiful the whole thing is in practice. Yeah. Um, so please come on down. Uh, I... And then the next thing my dream is, is that we would replicate around the country with the oh. same cafe model. And so that's kind of what I'm looking at next. But yeah, so I've what... always got ideas. So how can someone help you with all of your ideas? I mean, I do have to mention real quick, I've looked at your menu a few different times in different weeks and I, my mouth waters at just the idea of eating some of these incredible meals that you guys are putting out. So anyway, yes. So tell us how can we, you know, how can my audience help move your move you forward and you know, what are you looking for when you say you want to replicate your your strategy and business other places? Yeah. Um, well, the the worst, I have to say this, the worst food I've ever had at Same Cafe is really good. And the best food I've ever had is the actual best food I've ever had. <laughs> it's ruined me. I can't go out to eat anymore because I'll go pay for a meal and it's nowhere near <laughs> as good as what I had for lunch that day. So you got to try it. Oh my um, goodness. You know, the, the, the beautiful thing is, is this mission runs on donations of time, money, and produce. So if you have, if you're in Denver and have the time and want to come either just check it out and have lunch or sign up to volunteer, we need those volunteers. Mm -hmm. If you have access to a farm or garden, or you grow something in your backyard, we're always looking for good produce to be able to turn into the meals. Um, and then of course, donations, you know, our mission is a nonprofit. We make about 20% of our revenue in the restaurant in exchange for meals. And the rest of it comes from amazing partners around everywhere that love the mission and just kind of help support it so that people that don't have means can also be a part of this, this beautiful thing. Um, and then in terms of replication, what we're, what we've decided to do is we're going to support grassroots initiatives around the country that are, that want to have a same cafe in their community. So we're in the process of the first one, um, which fingers crossed is, is going to open in 2021 and it'll be in Ohio um, because we ended up figuring out that there's five things that a community needs to be able to support a same cafe. Uh, it needs to have access to farms and gardens in that local community. It needs to have access to volunteers in that community. So large groups of people who are willing to help make it happen need to have restaurant experience. So it doesn't just feel like a soup kitchen. Um, we need to have that high level experience. Need to have um, folks that are willing to fund it. And then the fifth one that's so important is having the right location where someone um, that is in need can find it and can get there, but also where people that have means would also feel comfortable going there as well. So it's not a thing to be tucked away over in the like poor part of town or whatever. And it's also not a thing to be put over here where only wealthy people get it because it really is the magic happens in the blending of those two communities. Mm -hmm. So when we realized these five important things, we kind of ran everyone we were talking through that was asking us to start a same cafe through that grid. And there's a group in Ohio that we're now supporting to open a same cafe in 2021. Wow. Um, and so that's the, that's kind of the idea. If you, if anyone that's listening to this is interested in this model or is inspired by it, start with reaching out to me, let's talk. Um, right. And then I'll, I'll kind of give you the outline of what's important to be able to start one. And of course, we're not obsessed about it being a same cafe because we've, we've supported every other uh, 
we've been supportive of every other restaurant that has tried the model um, or a version of the model. And I'll have a conversation with anyone who wants to help feed people. But if you're interested in it being a same cafe, you can also get a little bit of that cachet around that we're the longest running nonprofit restaurant. And then um, you can kind of be a, par a part of an ecosystem as well. Um, but yeah, I, I just love this program. And I think that there should be a same cafe in every city in America mm -hmm. so that you can go to, you know, you can go to the Goodwill to get inexpensive clothes and furniture. And then you can go to your local same cafe to be able to get healthy food that is at a price you can afford. Yeah, absolutely. And I, who wouldn't want that name? I mean, so all me, I think that's, it just encompasses everything, right? It's, it's, it's the right. same, the word same. And then, so all me. I mean, I, I, I guess this, uh, for me, it resonates so deeply is because I remember, like I mentioned as a child, just having those moments of food insecurity was, you know, or, or going to lunch, my mom, you know, they did the best they could, but mm -hmm. I went, there were two little, two pieces of bread and butter. That was my lunch. And, um, you know, and it, it just really made, it did make, it, it made a huge impact on me on a lot of different things. And I see behaviors now, like when I buy yes. food, it's like, I buy a lot of healthy food and I make sure there's always the food available. <laughs> so that I totally get that. It's really fascinating how it, it changes you. Even when you have means that it does change. Like, it's almost like those who were in um, the depression era, like my grandmother, she would tuck things away and hide things. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's incredible. And, and having my own experience with food insecurity, it was so fascinating to realize that there was food to be had and I could have it, but it wasn't anything that was feeding, nourishing me. Mm. It was just making, making me not feel hungry anymore. Right. Um, and that's very, very different than being nourished. And right. then also to do it in an environment like same where there's such a supportive kind of just everyone's in this together and you can really feel like you're a part of something bigger than just yourself as well. Right. Um, like I said, I'm the luckiest person on earth. I can't believe I get to do what I do and the amazing humans that I get to interact with every day. In fact, I was giving an interview to somebody the other day and he was a news person, of course, and he was like, I'm, I'm struggling, Brad, because this is so hard to report all the news in 2020. Mm -hmm. And I realized how fortunate I am because I get to see acts of beauty every single day. I get to mm -hmm. see people be kind to each other and supporting each other. And I get to see heartbreaking acts of kindness from people experiencing homelessness and wealthy folks that are all kind of making this mission happen. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize the, the unique perspective that same brings just in this weird year that we're all kind of experiencing. Right. Uh, Absolutely. I had another yeah. way. Of, oh, I'm so lucky. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a breath of fresh air and um, you know, your mission's been there for so long, but especially so important now, cause you had mentioned before we got started, your numbers that you're serving. Yeah. Could we served during COVID. Yeah. So during the shutdown, there was about a three month shutdown, of course, three where it was fully shut down and we switched immediately to, to go. Um, and we started serving four to five times the number during the shutdown. And then we've continued to see elevated numbers. So just in the first nine months of 2020, we've served over 26,000 meals. And to give you an idea, we served 21,000 meals in 2019. And that was the most we've ever served in our 14 year history. Wow. And we've already served well more than that just in the first three quarters of this year. And so the need is just expanding. And as people lose their job or they're experiencing homelessness for the first time, um, 
this is one of the other really unique things is food insecurity is, is one of the first things that happens whenever you experience a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. So homelessness usually happens after a few steps, but you can be food insecure for a day because mm -hmm. you lose a job or you don't get the, the check that you think you're going to get or whatever. Right. And now suddenly you're eating on less. It's the thing that you can change from hour to hour. You right. can decide to spend less on, on food. And so um, usually actually people that are experiencing food insecurity often don't have, don't look homeless, quote unquote, or they don't look poor because they've have the trappings of, of their life that they had, but now they've lost a job or their rent has gone up or they're now on a fixed income or their partner got disabled or they are, uh, you know, there's all of these weird challenges that happen. And many of those will take a long time before, of those folks will take a long time before they'll go get a service where they have to sit down and explain all of their trauma before they can get the service. And right. so what we do is create an environment where no matter what your background is, you're welcomed in, there's a way for you to participate without you having to share anything about your life, but then you're invited to share and to be a part of a community if you want to. Hmm. I think that's amazing. I mean, it's just, it's so incredible. Uh, oh my goodness. You're definitely, it's like, I feel like we should be like, you know, when they put out those things, places to visit in Colorado, St. Cafe should be like on the top of the list. I think hey. it's just really cool. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, so let me know. Let's make that happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'm, she's, I mean, it's just, you know, when, when you, when you go to your website and we'll put all those links to the the donation site and all that for you. And um, what I love it is this creating community through access to healthy food. And I think um, that's been a mission of mine for at least nine years since I've really understood the value of nutrition and seeing patients improve and you, their life blossoms. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't, just coming from the medical mm -hmm. side of things, when you have someone who has chronic disease and it's debilitating, it's expensive, It's but yes. it's expensive, not even monetarily, but also just, the life that they're missing, the quality of life, and then the shortened lifespan, they're, it's overwhelming and they become so hyper-focused on it. The next, you know, all they worry about is the next either prescription they have to fill or the next doctor's visit or all these different trappings. And you have someone who's also challenged with financially. And then you, you start with the basics of the food because healthy food options is, when you look and you go to the grocery store, it's really the cheaper version. Yeah. But I was just saying that the, you know, the cheaper food is actually the dried beans and the rice and those healthy things and people understand. And it just, it's amazing to see people overcome chronic disease and their whole life changes, yeah. their relationships better, they're sleeping better, they're more attentive. Um, so you, what you're providing is, for me, it's just, it's just a, um, it's just really cool. I can see why you think you're, you know, you, you are the luckiest person <laughs> <laughs> what you get to do. Um, so I so appreciate that. And um, I just want to be as a big support as you can and share your message. So, and as for anything, as I know we're running short on time here, is there any last bit of advice maybe, or um, anything that you'd like to share with the audience about your mission or yourself and, and the, or the people that you're serving? Yeah, I was actually also going to say, um, if you'll put a link to that video, those two videos, there's one about the tokens and one about just our mission, if you don't mind putting that in there. Sure, too. absolutely. Um, if you don't mind, I'll finish with a story, actually. Yeah, please. We have, well, a couple of stories, just because the stories of Same Cafe is what keeps me going. Um, the other day I was sitting in the restaurant and this woman came up to me and she's like, are you the owner? And I was like, well, if we don't have an owner. I'm a nonprofit. I'm the executive director. Yeah. And she started crying and she said, I am in school to be a massage therapist. 
And she's like, I understand what makes bodies run, but I have, don't have any money. And so she said, I was going to, I had these $2 and I was going to go get a couple of hot dogs at the corner store. And someone told me about same cafe. And she said, I've been here for every day for the last three weeks. And I've never felt better and my body feels good and it's put, it's feeding me in every possible way. And I started crying and I was like, this is beautiful. This is why we exist. The, the other one that just kind of resonated with me was actually right after I started at same cafe, we were working in the kitchen and one of our refrigerators went down and there's this incredible woman who's wealthy. And every time she's in town, she volunteers at the cafe and a great supporter and friend of the organization we were going to get a used refrigerator. And she said, no, 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 let me buy one for you. So she spent $4,000 on a refrigerator that day that we were able to put into service. Um, and it was beautiful. And we just said, thank you so much. You're amazing. We're so grateful. But what was really powerful was that same week, there was a young man who was living in the alley behind same cafe. And we called him our neighbor and he came in every day and he um, would volunteer for his meal. And he adopted the front windows because he was so good at it. And so he would wash the windows every day for his meal. And I was watching one day and the front desk person went up to him and said, hey, your time is up. You're welcome to leave if you want to. And he's like, no, 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 I'm staying until they're perfect. And so he stayed 20 minutes longer just to make sure that the windows looked perfect. And I looked at that and I was like, what an incredible place that someone that has wealth and someone that has time can both contribute what they have to give to be able to make this mission. And they didn't, neither of them got anything extra out of it, except for the fact that they're so invested that they wanted to give back to the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that speaks to what Same Cafe is about. It's about everyone is the same because everyone has something to contribute to this beautiful mission. Right, and that's absolutely. what we're trying to do is, is oh give people gosh. a purpose. So. I love that. I don't know what else you could say. To, I mean, to, to perfect a, a, a place that will serve your community because you're, you're hitting all the really important points. So I think it's phenomenal. You should be congratulated for the work that you're doing. And it's just oh, the founders it's, and the staff and all the, the amazing donors and yes. the community members, all the, that's where the real thing is. All I get to do is just come out here and scream about how great it is. <laughs> Um, and point to how cool it is of what we're doing over there. Yeah. So yeah, I, I am so grateful for this opportunity to kind of share my heart and the, the organization with you and your listeners, because it's uh, a beautiful place. I will tell you, my audience will, is the ideal audience to share a message <laughs> like this. They will absolutely eat this up because the most <clears throat> caring people I've ever met are, are involved in this world of helping people get healthier and whatever capacity they're, they're doing it, you know, teachers, doctors, nurses, it doesn't matter, but um, all of them want to provide some type of way to help. And I think they can maybe donate or do something um, to your organization and spread that message. Cause you're also, I, I can't wait to see how you grow in your, your organization. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Brad, for your time and your your uh, joy and your optimism and just your energy because it's very contagious and I love every moment of it. (laughs) Thank you for this opportunity. I mean, I I love every opportunity I get to talk about how beautiful things are happening in the world uh, because there is so much beauty and I don't want to be a Pollyanna and only focus on that. There's a lot of challenges too, Mm -hmm. but if we only focus on the negative, then we become depressed. If we only focus on the positive, we become silly. And I like that same cafe gets to join both of those things together and do something really, really important in the world. 
and right. provide food for people that have diabetes and provide food for people that have yeah. gluten intolerances and does, those kinds of things where they couldn't be able to afford it otherwise. It's, it's really special. So well, thank you for the opportunity. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, you're providing the concrete real world solutions in a beautiful way that make people feel on all spectrums amazing. And um, they get to, to get, have the joy of contribution, which makes someone grow and wants them to do it again. So I think that's phenomenal. So the magic that must be occurring there is just, it's palpable from where I am, you know? So I'm super excited about seeing it someday. So thank you again. We so appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed that interview. And if you could, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating on whatever platform that you're listening to this podcast. We really appreciate the feedback. In addition to this, I did want to let you know that we actually do video recordings of all of our interviews. And if you'd rather watch them, you can check out our YouTube channel at Healthy Human Revolution. There we also have other resources for you. One in particular I'm really excited about is called The Doctor's Inn. That's where I actually answer questions from the audience and do tons of topics like cholesterol, hypertension, diabetes, and just things to help you stay well. So check it out and also don't forget the HealthyHumanRevolution.com website where you have all the resources you need to actually start and sustain a healthy, whole food, plant-based diet.